Well, I, um, I don't know. Hearing a story like that is emotional for me because, um, as Amber said earlier, our mission statement is to be a safe community where anyone can discover, develop, and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And when I hear stories, real life stories of someone coming in with this innate sense of I'm unworthy and he needs a safe place, whoo, it makes me go, yes, this is worth fighting for. And I'm so grateful to every single one of you who call Rock Point your church. Thank you for being a part of making this a safe community where the mats and where everyone, me included, all of us can come and find a safe community and not just a safe community to be safe in, but a safe community where we can discover, develop and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ who has the ability to change everything and change our lives. So I'm just so, so grateful. I'm so grateful to get to hear stories like that. I'm so grateful to each of you for the part that you play in making this a safe community. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I could probably go on talking a whole bunch about that, but we have to finish the series we've been doing called The Implications of Jesus. So if you're here for the first time and you haven't been kind of watching along online or you haven't been in church for the last few weeks, we've been doing the series, The Implications of Jesus, and today's the last one. So it's kind of like you're walking in on the end of a movie. Have you ever done that? Where you walk in, you're like, who's that guy? And everybody's enthralled and ready to go. And you're like, who's that guy? What's happening? And he's like, no, 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 no. So, so if you're confused today, I'll do my best to not make you confused. If I say something and it doesn't land right, we have spent the last six weeks explaining in depth a lot of the ideas that we're kind of gonna summarize today as we look at one more thing that Jesus said that has some massive implications. The idea of the whole series is that there's a bunch of things that Jesus said. Um, some things are just easy, you know, love your neighbor. No one's gonna ask, uh, um, argue with love your neighbor or be kind. No one's gonna argue with that. But he said some big things, some huge things that you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, really? But if those things are true, Man, the implications are massive. And we've looked at these ideas that he said that have massive implications for me, for you, for life, for eternity, for, for everything. Um, and today we're gonna look at one more that kind of makes sense uh, about what we just saw with Matt being baptized. You know, take a grown man and dunk him in water and then let him come back out and everybody claps. If, if you have no idea what that is, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, what does this mean? And we're gonna go back and look at a statement that Jesus made where he talks about baptism because in one of the last statements he made to his followers, he said, hey guys, I want you to go and baptize people. What did he mean? What is that all about? You know, why do we do that? And that's what I wanna look at in this final statement that Matthew one of the followers of Jesus recorded, Matthew was one of the eyewitnesses who wrote down the story of Jesus. There was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and he was an eyewitness. He was a guy that followed Jesus. If you don't know who Matthew was, he was actually a tax collector, a sinner who had um, abandoned his faith, abandoned his family, abandoned his nation, and kind of went out to try and make money, used the, the power of Rome who had uh, conquered Israel at the time, and he used the power of Rome to make money for himself and hated everyone else. And as a result, everyone hated him and abandoned everything. And then one day he met Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus was the safe community that he had never experienced before. And then this tax collector started going, I like him. 
I want to know him more. Everybody else hated him, and suddenly this guy liked him and loved him, even though he didn't believe the right things, say the right things, do the right things. Someone loved him, and he said, I want more of that. And so he hung out with Jesus, got to know him, got to love him, and eventually said, i got to write this all down so other people can know him too. And he wrote down what Jesus did and said, most of it, a lot of it. And then at the end, after Jesus had died, been crucified, and rose again, this was one of the last things that Matthew records. And in this, he talks about baptism. He talks about baptizing, and the reason I wanna go there is because baptism, not only to explain what just happened, but almost to summarize everything that we've spoken about in the series so far, because in the series, we looked at some of the foundational ideas that Jesus said are important or essential for us to believe if we're going to be Christians. Baptism is something you do once you believe the basic foundational ideas of Christianity. And so in the series, we've looked at these foundational ideas of Christianity and said, hey, this is what Jesus said we need to believe if we're going to be a Christian, if we wanna be baptized. And so kind of the question that we've been looking at through the series and more um, uh, clearly and more intentionally today is this question, what are the things that Christians believe? What must we believe in order to be a Christian? Now, there's a lot of people out there, you know, who believe different things, and, and I'm not here to judge anybody's beliefs. We're not here to judge anybody's beliefs. In, in fact, it doesn't matter what you believe. You're so welcome here. Matthew didn't believe any of the right things, and Jesus was like, come hang out with me. Come be one of my primary disciples. So, so whatever you believe, you're so welcome here. Even if you don't believe all Christian stuff, you're so welcome. But at some point, we wanna at least make sure people understand what do we need to believe in order to actually be a Christian so that we don't go around going, yeah, I'm a Christian, but we don't even believe the right things. We don't even believe what Jesus said we should believe. So we don't do that. And baptism is a step that someone then takes to acknowledge this is what I believe. So that's what we're gonna do today. Answer that question, what must we believe in order to be a Christian, in order to be baptized? And we're gonna go look at what Matthew said um, this last statement that he wrote down that Jesus said is actually known, it's a, it's a huge statement in the Christian world. It's known as the Great Commission. It was like the last thing that Jesus said, here's what I need you guys to do. It's known as the Great Commission and it has huge implications. In fact, such huge implications that um, his followers, they took this so seriously that they moved Christianity from being a thing that 12 guys believed in Israel 2,000 years ago to where you're sitting in a Christian church in Chattanooga, Tennessee 2,000 years later because these guys took that thing so seriously and 2.3 billion other people around the world claim this faith as well. That's how seriously these guys took this last statement that Jesus said and right in the middle of it, there's so much in the statement and we don't have time to look at it all, but right in the middle of the statement, is this idea of baptism that we're gonna focus on today. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them, to his disciples, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Massive statement, and there's so much in that. Even that last statement, I will be with you. How does that work? We looked at that last week in this state, uh, part six of the series. How is he with 
us. Is that real? And man, what we saw last week, yes, it's very, very real, but there's so many things. The idea of making disciples and what that really means. The idea of being a disciple, uh, you know, to kind of bring that down to what, what is a disciple. I think a disciple is someone who trusts Jesus enough to wanna follow him who trusts Jesus enough, gets to the place where he goes, man, if that's who he is, if that's what he's done, I trust that. And something happens on the inside and we go, I wanna do what he said. <laughs> I trust him and I wanna trust him with everything I am. And then there's this incredible, um, almost miracle that happens on the inside of us that our lives change. Uh, then he talks about baptism, baptizing them. Um, we're gonna focus in on what that looks like today. And then he says, teaching them, teaching those disciples to obey everything that I have commanded you to do. Now, one quick note before we move on. It's interesting that the teaching them part comes after the baptism part in the language here. And the reason I bring that up is because so often the way that Christianity is presented, or at least the way we think it's presented, or maybe you know, you've bumped into this in a church, is the idea that you better do it all right, you better know everything, and you better stop sinning for you to be welcome, or for you to be a part of our church, or for you to get baptized, or for you to be a Christian. And it doesn't seem like that's what Jesus is saying. By him saying, you know, make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them everything, he's kind of opening the door to saying, hey, I, I want you to baptize them and then teach them. In other words, he's saying, you are not gonna know everything. <laughs> You're not gonna be able to say it all right. You're not gonna believe all the perfect little things and intricacies. You're not gonna do it all right. And you can be baptized because we're gonna teach and learn as we go. You don't have to know it all, do it all, be it all, understand it all for you to be welcomed, not just into the church, but into Christianity. You don't have to do that. And that's really important, I think. But that does bring up a question. If I don't have to know it all because the teaching part happens after the baptism part, if I don't have to know it all, then what do I need to know in order to be baptized? What are the foundational beliefs. Are there, is there anything or can I just like, hey, jump in the pool, let's do this thing. Are there certain things that I do need to know, that I do need to believe in order to be baptized, in order to be a Christian? And that's what we're gonna look at. In fact, I wanna look at three ideas as we go forward with this baptism thing. First one is, what is baptism? <laughs> what is it? Why do we do it? And then thirdly, that question, if it comes before knowing everything, before being taught everything Jesus commanded, then what is it that I need to know in order, and what is it that I need to believe in order to be baptized, in order to say, hey, I am a Christian and I'm confident and I know that that's who I am. So those are the questions. What is baptism? Why do we do it? And what does someone need to believe in order to be baptized. All right, let's dive in. Baptism, the word baptize actually comes from a really simple, everyday, everyday used word in Greek. <clears throat> and it's a, word that, a Greek word that you'll actually recognize. I don't know if you know this, but you kind of speak Greek. If you can say the word baptize, you speak Greek. It comes from the Greek word baptizo. So instead of baptize with an E at the end, it's almost like baptizo with an O at the end. That's it, and the word, in, when, when, when you first bump into it in history, had nothing to do with any religious or faith-based thing. It was just a simple everyday word that normal Greek people would use almost every day. You go out, you work, you come home, and the word means dunk, immerse, or wash. So you'd come home and you'd baptize your hands before dinner. 
very religious. Now, it came to be used in religious ceremonies of washing, but, but there's just a plain and simple, hey, hey, especially with COVID around, baptize your hands, you know? That's kind of what it was. It was used when people um, washed their hands in Scripture. You can see this in Scripture in other places. In ancient literature, Greek literature, they would use this baptizo to mean washing hands in the process of dyeing fabrics, that if they wanted to color fabric, you'd have to baptize the fabric. You know, you didn't have to pray or anything. You just baptize it. It's, there it is. It, it was also used in this fascinating little portion of ancient literature that was written in 200 BC by a guy named Nicander, who was a Greek poet and physician. And you know what the immense importance of this document was? It was a pickle recipe. And we've, it's crazy. We've got a pickle recipe from 200 BC. And in this, he says, baptize the vegetables in vinegar. And then everybody prayed. No, nobody prayed because it was just a simple word. Baptize, dip it, immerse it, submerge this vegetable <laughs> in vinegar. So that's what the word started as. But then as, as historians get these documents from ancient times and they see baptizo, 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 and in the context means wash or immerse or dunk. Um, uh, and then suddenly they start bumping into literature that talks about dunking a man in water, a woman in water. What does that mean? And they understood when it's wash is, wash is the context or dying or, or pickling is the context, but when you dunk a person, what, what on earth is that? So, so people translating these documents were like, I don't have an English word for that. So instead of making it up or trying to figure it out, they took the Greek word, baptizo, and they just made it an English word, baptize. It's easy, hey, it's called transliteration. And they transliterated this Greek word into English to baptize, and that's why, you know, you look at baptize, and in English, all it has is this religious faith connotation. And what it came to mean was simply this. Baptize, or baptizo in that context, was a submerging into water as a way to do two things. Number one, to publicly express that someone has come to believe certain things. And in a religious context, both Judaism and Christianity, it was dipping somebody, pub, submerging somebody into water as a way to express public expression that someone has come to believe certain things, but also it means to externally symbolize an important internal reality. That's what baptism is. So when someone had come to believe certain foundational things, they would use this rite of baptism to announce, hey, this is what I believe. And it was an external thing showing an internal reality. Kind of like my wedding ring. If I have a wedding ring on, all of you know that I'm married because it's an external sign of an internal reality. What if somehow I take my wedding ring off? Does my wife disappear? <laughs> No, because it's just an external reality. It doesn't make me married. Married, not married. Married, no, that's not how it works because all it is is an external symbol showing an internal reality. Um, it is this, the sign that I am married. Just putting a ring on my finger doesn't make me married. Single people just know that as well. You just don't suddenly, she appeared. It was amazing. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No, for all, in order for this to mean something, I actually don't just need a ring. I need a wife, right? I need to have met Kristen. I need to have gotten to know her. I need to have fallen in love I need to have started to trust her enough that I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. 
I think I want to do my life with you. I think I want to I think I think I want to commit my life to you. And when I get to that place of loving and trusting and committing my life to walk with her to do life together, then we get married and then in the ceremony what happens? I put a ring on. And the ring symbolizes shows that I am married. Without all of that other stuff, this means nothing, right? It's an outward sign of an inward and important thing and reality. It's kind of like baptism. It is an outward and visible sign of an inward reality that when someone gets to the place where they have discovered who Jesus is and they've kind of gone, wait a minute, if that's who he is, I like him. I want to follow him. I want to do life with him. I want him to be a reality in my life and I trust him and I want to, I, gosh, yes, I trust him with me, with my past, with my future. I trust him. And when we do that, when we've come to that place, then we take that next step to get baptized. Just getting baptized means nothing without that inward journey and reality. So that kind of answers the question, what is baptism? And one of the aspects of why we do it. But there's more. And I don't know if I'm just a dork and I like history um, or if this all means something to you as well, but this is so cool to me. The act of baptism <clears throat> actually connects us historically to Jesus and his followers. The act of baptism connects us historically to Jesus and his followers. Because think about it, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was standing on this hill and saying to these guys, hey, I want you to go baptize people. And they took it seriously. They went out, first I want you to introduce them to who I am, let them trust me, and then baptize them. And then they went out and told people about who Jesus was, and their minds were blown, their lives were changed. They found forgiveness of sins. Like what Matt found, they found a peace that they couldn't find anywhere else. And they were like, whoa, I love Jesus, I wanna follow him, yes, I trust him. And then they were baptized. And then what happened is, the apostles, those original disciples, James and John and Matthew and Peter, they baptized people, they came to know Christ. And then these guys, time went by, and they passed away, and they died. And then this next generation was carrying this message of Jesus and they found more people, convinced them of Christ and Christ changed their lives and they baptized them. And the next generation, they baptized them and generation after generation after generation were baptizing them until one day, someone baptized me who was baptized by a guy, who was baptized by someone, who was baptized by someone all the way back to Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Matthew. And so in some very real way, being baptized and baptizing, when, we, when we're baptized, we are connecting with this body of people, this group of believers through the centuries who have come to the place where they wanna outwardly exhibit or express this internal deep faith that they have found in Christ. And so I don't know if it's silly, but man, that connects me with those original guys, connects you with those original guys, and I, I absolutely love that. Another reason why Christians do this weird thing where we dunk people in water. Like, isn't there more of a modern way to do this? Like, that seems so weird. Isn't there a better way to do that? But one of the reasons we keep doing it is not just because Jesus said, hey, I want you to do this, but because Baptism is actually a very apt picture, not just of the fact that I have faith, but of what happens when I have faith. 
When I place my trust in Christ, baptism is a picture of what happens. Throughout the series, we've talked about some of these deep things that Jesus has said and some of the things he said, and I hate just kind of throwing them out now because there's no real context for them. Um, so if any of these land weird with you, please go listen to the other messages as we've discussed these things in depth. But we spoke about how Jesus um, really wants to help us deal with the, the deepest issue we have. And he said that deepest issue is that we all have a problem of sin. We all have a problem of sin. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this in a second, but that we all have this sin problem. We don't like to admit that. We don't like to talk about it. It feels so judgmental. We'll talk about that in a bit. But Jesus said we all have this sin problem. And we talked about how sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. And that sin leads to death. But then we said this. We spoke about the fact that Jesus died for our sin so that we don't have to face death, but we can have life in him. So those are the things we talked about. Baptism is actually a beautiful picture of that. Let me show you the scripture that sort of links baptism to the reality of all these things. It's in Colossians chapter two, verse 12. Colossians two, verse 12 says this. For you were buried when, with Christ when you were baptized. When you go under the water, that is a picture of someone being buried. And with him, you were raised. When you come out of the water, it's like you're being raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See how he pictures baptism and this reality of what happens when we trust Christ. He continues. He says, you were dead because of your sins. These are big ideas that I don't have time to look at today, but in, in part two and in part four and in part five of the series, we spoke in depth about that. But he says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. Coming out of the water is that picture of being alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. What Jesus accomplished, and when we trust that, trust what he's done, literally, that picture of baptism becomes a reality in our lives. And so that's, that, that's just a brief description of what baptism is and why we get baptized. But that leaves the final question. And this is the most important question that we need to answer today, and that is this. So what do we need to believe to be baptized? Like, like if I claim to be a Christian, what is it that I'm actually saying that I'm believing? Because um, we'll see in this verse that I wanna show you, Paul, um, a guy who, man, Paul's got such a fascinating story. A guy who kind of hated Jesus, may have even been in the room when Jesus was accused and tried before he was crucified. He, was, he hated Jesus, and, and that came out of him. He killed Christians, he arrested Christians, and then one day he met Jesus and spoke to Jesus, and everything changed. And he realized the reality of the foundational principles of Christianity, and it changed his life. And he writes a document, and in this document, this letter to some friends in Corinth, and near the end of the letter, he goes, okay, guys, we've talked about all these different Christian things, but I wanna get to the foundation of what you believe, because if you don't believe these things, then you, you, you've believed in vain. And I think that's such an important thing because in our world today, there are so many versions of Christianity. 
There's all these progressive ideas of that Jesus is this and, and the Bible doesn't actually mean that and Jesus is this and Christianity is presented so weird and Jesus is sometimes presented so weird. Paul comes along and he goes, guys, here is the foundation of what we need to believe. If you say you're a Christian, this is what you're saying you believe. If you don't believe this, then at least you know you, you're, you're, you're struggling with some of these things and at least you're not gonna go, hey, I'm a Christian, whatever. No, and, it, and it's okay. Wherever you're at in your faith, it's okay. God loves you and he's pursuing you and he wants you to know all these things. But there's that line of, hey, what does it take to be a Christian? What do I need to believe? to be a Christian, to be baptized, and Paul addresses these things. And here's the thing, when we believe these things, these foundational things that we're gonna look at now, it literally unlocks all the promises that Jesus made for us. It unlocks all the realities of what Christianity offers, the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation with God. All of that is unlocked when we believe these basic things. Do we need to know everything? No, but as a Christian, we need to trust and believe these Things. Let me show you what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, near the end of this letter to the, Corinth, to, to the city of Corinth, to the Christians in Corinth, here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 15 verse one, he says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I love that he says remind. Even if you've been a Christian forever, it's so easy to forget these foundational things. I wanna remind you of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This is what we can stand on. This is the foundation. Verse two, by this gospel, by this good news, you are saved. You are saved, saved from the sin problem that Christianity talks about, saved from the repercussions of sin, saved from the judgment of sin, saved from the death that results as a result of sin. You are saved, by this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, if you hold firmly to this gospel, and then he says this crazy statement, otherwise you've believed in vain. If we go around going, hey, I'm a Christian, everything's great, everything's cool, what do you believe? If, if these things aren't in the foundation of your faith as a Christian, Paul says, you've believed in vain. And again, I don't mind what you believe. You're so welcome here, and God is pursuing all of us, loves all of us. But Christianity only becomes real. Christianity only works for us when we believe these foundational truths that Jesus taught, that Christianity teaches. Otherwise, according to Paul, you've believed in vain. And this is what he says. He says this in verse three. Explains what are these fundamental, foundational things. For what I received I passed on to you. I received from Christ. Paul met Jesus and, and, and heard this. And then he went to James and John and, and Peter and said, hey, is this right? And they confirmed, this is right. What I received, I passed on to you as first importance. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried, validating the fact that he died, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he goes on and he talks about how Jesus was seen by over 500 different people. But he says the foundation of Christianity, that the minimum beliefs required in order to be a Christian are these things, that Christ died for our sins and was raised. Paul says, if we don't believe that, we're not Christian. We're still, you know, you may be a good person, you may have creative and wonderful beliefs, but if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. 
And if you believe that, what happens is all of Christianity makes sense. All of Christianity begins, not necessarily makes sense. There's gonna be things that are like, how does that work? But all of Christianity is unlocked, all the promises. If we don't believe these basic ideas that Christ died for my sins and was raised, Christianity can't be unlocked for us. So let's break that up and see what is it that we need to believe. If that's the foundational idea to be a Christian, then questions flow for me, and that is this. Who is Christ? If Christ died for our sins and was raised, who is Christ? Our sins. What does that mean? Why did he need to die for it? What are the implications of him dying for our sins and the implications of him rising again? Those four things I think we need to understand in order for Christianity to be real, in order for, for us, I believe it's real, but in order for it to work for us and all the promises of Christ to be made available to us, we need to understand who is Christ, our sins, what does that mean, the implications of him dying for our sins, and the implications of him rising again. So let me ask those questions, who is Christ? Now we've spoken about all of these things in the series, so if you want some more information and you haven't heard these, please go listen in. The first week we spoke about who Christ is, and Jesus clearly, even though this is sometimes hard to believe and hard to understand, but if this isn't true of him, Christianity falls apart. Jesus claimed to be God. Not a moral teacher, (laughs) not a good man, not just a good example. He claimed to be God. And, you know, we may argue, well, then are you saying I'm not a Christian? Well, if you don't believe that Jesus was God, then Christianity falls apart. It literally falls apart. So this is why it's fundamental. It's so important, so foundational. Jesus claimed to be God. He said, I'm the son of God. And if that's not true, then Christianity doesn't work, then we believed in vain. And we talked about in the first week. Second thing is our sins. Christianity teaches very, very clearly that all of us have a sin problem. We don't like saying it. We don't like hearing it. We don't like talking about it, but we all have it. In fact, I've said this before, but I'm gonna say it again. If you're here and you hate hearing the word sin because it's always been used as a judgmental missile thrown at you and just it's horrible and it's condemning because people have pointed fingers at you and said you're a sinner and it just feels horrible. That's an inappropriate way of using the word sin. In fact, if someone, if a Christian ever judges you and says you're a sinner, I want you to say a very churchy term back at them and say, and also with you. (laughs) And also with you. Do you know why? Because we are all sinners. All of us, pastors, preachers, the most holiest looking people, they're just the best at hiding it. And then judging, and that's a ruse. No, we are all have a sin problem, and once we get over the judgment and icky feeling about that, we realize, you know what, it's true. When I'm quiet, I look at myself and I go, why is it so easy to do the wrong thing? And why is it so hard to do the right thing sometimes? Because we have a sin problem, there's something broken. Why is it so easy to be selfish when I know I should just love? Why do I always think about myself first and my comfort first before the people around me? Why am I so frustrated when I don't get comfort and I'm not as frustrated when you don't? (laughs) What is that? Why is that thing? We know there's something broken in us and that's part of the, the fruit of a sin problem in us, but it goes further and this is where it gets hard to talk about without more time and more context. That's why we talked about this in the series. Go look at part two, part four, part five, please. (laughs) But what happens is not only do we have a sin problem, Christianity clearly teaches that that sin separates us from a holy God. 
And that makes sense. We spoke about this, that if we could, you know, the only way you can really trust God is if he is a just God. And if he's just, that means he must punish wrong. He must punish sin. But we don't like that. But the foundational idea of Christianity, according to Paul, has to do with sins. We have a sin problem. That sin separates us from God. It leads to judgment. It must. And it leads to death. And unless we understand that, Christianity doesn't make sense. We've believed in vain. And lastly, we can't do anything about it ourselves. We have a sin problem. It separates us from God. It leads to judgment. It leads to death. And we can't fix it on our own. But that's why this is so big. This next statement that Christ died for our sins. That he came, he took it. He has to be God for this to work. We have to have a sin problem for this to work. Jesus had to die to pay the price. It's almost like God scraped out our sin, dumped it on Jesus, and Jesus paid the price, died the death, paid the penalty, separated from God so that we don't have to. That's what he did, and he paid it. He took the death so that we can be reconciled with God and find life instead of death. That we in baptism can be buried, having died with Christ, and alive in Christ because he took our sin. That's a foundational truth, that, that Jesus is this, he's God. He's the son of God. We have a sin problem that we can't fix. It leads to death, and we can't fix it, but Jesus took the death, died for us, we don't have to. And then lastly, foundational belief is that Jesus rose again. Why is that so important? Because if he didn't rise again, then he's a liar or a lunatic, you know, one of the two, because he said he would. And when he rose again, not only did he validate everything he said, he showed that he was bigger than death he showed that he's the son of God and he was bigger than sin and that his sacrifice for sin worked. And if we don't believe that he rose again, then you're still you know, a good person, that's, that's fine. But, and you may believe some wonderful things, but it's not Christian. It's not Christian. Unless we believe that Jesus rose again, which validates every single thing he said and shows that he conquered sin and death. There's this verse about a few verses later from where we're reading in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's futile. And you're still in your sins. We're still, we're not gonna have forgiveness of sins unless Christ rose from the dead. And that's why Paul says, here are the foundational truths, the foundational beliefs that we must believe. If we are a Christian, what I'm saying, when I say I'm a Christian is I'm saying this, I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe that I have a sin problem and I can't fix it. It leads to death, it leads to judgment. I can't fix it. I believe, whoo, I believe Jesus died because he loves me so much. I believe he died for my sins so that I don't have to. And I believe he rose from the dead to give me life. Those are the foundational ideas of Christianity. Those are the things that if we wanna be baptized, if we wanna say I'm a Christian, that's what I believe. And if we don't believe those things, Christianity doesn't work for us. It doesn't work. Those are those foundational truths that, uh, that, that, that Jesus said that Christianity teaches we need to believe. So 
Let me put it this way. A Christian believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I've said this already. A Christian believes that he or she has a sin problem, that, that they can't fix it, that they've sinned, that it separates them from God, and they deserve judgment, but that Jesus came to die for that. And a Christian believes that Jesus rose from the dead. Those are the foundations of what Christianity means. And our hope, our hope is whatever you believe, you'll feel comfortable here, you'll feel safe here to explore, even if you don't believe, that's fine. This isn't to say, hey, you better believe this. No, 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 no. Jesus invited all these guys who had no real beliefs. They were all crazy and didn't believe anything. And he was with them, loved them, pursued them. If you don't believe this, God will still pursue you, love you, draw you in. But at some point he's going, this is the gift I'm giving you. And if you believe this, it unlocks the power of Christianity to forgive your sins, to, to give you all that I've promised, to put my spirit in you when we believe that. And when we believe that, then, then you know, back to the context of what we're talking about, when we believe that, Jesus says, hey, I want you to get baptized because it's a picture of what's happened in your heart. And I want you to publicly express and join this body of people that have been doing this through the centuries. I want you to get baptized. And so today, you know, with, with Matt's baptism and talking about this, we wanna tell you, if, if you believe that and you've never been baptized, we wanna give you the opportunity to be baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized, the easiest way to connect with us, if you, if you don't know a staff member or wanna talk at the guest table out there, but the easiest way is to go online, rockpointcc.org slash baptism. Connect with us and help us walk through this with you. If you have questions, let's talk about it. But then, if you believe these foundational things, we would like to give you the opportunity to be baptized. That's what Jesus said. Hey, come on, if you believe that, let's do that I wanna end by coming back to Matt's baptism story and baptism today, because he shared some of his journey that he was going through, and it was so cool getting to know him. And I love, love, love that he felt safe enough with, with all the, the, the difficulty and the brokenness, as he said, that he walked through to find a place where, you know, with the fear of going, I'm not worthy to even walk in here. I am so glad that you guys, we've created a safe community where anyone can come in. And in that place, I'm so glad that Matt discovered Jesus and his life is different. And in the, in the journey of discovering, should he be baptized, shouldn't he be baptized, you know, he wants to, we asked him these questions. We said, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And he said, yes. We asked him, do you believe that you have a sin problem and that it separates you from God? and that it deserves judgment and you can't fix it. And he said, absolutely, I believe that. And do you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin, that he died for you? Do you believe that? And he said, yes. And do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And he said, yes. And he said, okay, cool. <laughs> then let's baptize you because if those are the foundational beliefs that literally unlock, open the door for all of Christianity to be real and actually mean something and do something and what Jesus wants to do in hearts to do something and Matt said yes. <laughs> and so we baptized him today and it's so fun talking, him to after him, uh, talking with him afterwards and he's just gushing going, I can't wait to get to church. I love this place, I'm so grateful. It's the highlight of my week because of what God has done in him and because, and because you guys, <laughs> have helped us create a safe community where anyone can discover, develop, and deepen a relationship with Jesus 
at their own pace. Because the reality is we can't make you believe something you don't believe. We'll never try force that. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. We get that. But we wanna have a safe space where we can continue to explore and see where that happens. Because, because when somebody, and, and gosh, it's all throughout scripture. This is, God rejoices when somebody goes, oh, that's who he is, that's what he's done, that's how he resolves this thing in me that I can't resolve, that's how he connects me to my heavenly father and solves this problem eternally and internally. Oh my gosh, heaven rejoices when somebody comes to that place of faith and the, the, the power and the promises of Christianity are unlocked when we believe Jesus is the son of God. I have a sin problem that I can't fix. He died to pay the price for my sin and he rose again. It unlocks everything. And our hope and our prayer is that we'll be safe enough to help people discover, develop, and deepen an understanding of that and of Jesus so that our lives can all be changed in that way. And that's it. That's what we wanna be. That's what we wanna do. Thank you for helping me do that. And if you're at the place where you believe that, would love to give you that opportunity to be baptized. If you're not there, that's okay. That's okay. Keep exploring. That's okay. We're grateful you are here. Why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you so much for what Jesus did. Thank you so much for loving us, even though we are more sinful than we ever dared believe. Thank you that we are more loved than we ever dared hope. And thank you that when we place our faith in you, trust that you are who you say you are, that we have a sin problem, that you died for our sin and you were raised, that we can be more whole than we ever dared imagine. We are so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.